Our scripture reading today comes from the Gospel of John, chapter 13, and begins in verse 31. When he had gone out, Jesus said, Now is the Son of Man glorified, and God is glorified in him. If God is glorified in him, God will also glorify him in himself, and glorify him at once. Little children, yet a little while I am with you. You will seek me, and just as I said to the Jews, so now I also say to you, where I am going, you cannot come. A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another, just as I have loved you, you also are to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. This is the word of the Lord. Thank you, Dustin and Megan. Some of you may remember this story. I believe I've shared it with you before, but it must be several years ago now that I was in the waiting room of some local medical office, and while I was sitting there, a young girl, maybe three or four years old, you know, maybe about Calvin's age or Owen Levy's age or even uh, Charlotte Brango, one of those young children was sitting there, and she had to be one of the most friendly, outgoing young children I've ever seen. She was not afraid of strangers. She, I think, thought I was her friend. And so she started to engage me in conversation and ask me to play with her. And I was trying to just go along with her and be a a friendly person. And the time came for her to leave. And as she was making her way out, she stopped and turned and looked at me and said, I love you. And I don't remember exactly what I said, but I know it wasn't, I love you too. I think it might've been something like, Goodbye, have a good day. And the reason I know I, that's what I said is because she stopped and she kind of dug her heels in and she said, I said, I love you. And what could I do? <laughs> I love you too. And then she went on her way. There was an expectation. She had demonstrated. She had expressed her love and she expected love in return. It's something like what our Savior Jesus does in this passage here in John 13 with his disciples. We have come to our point in the study of John's gospel where we are now hearing basically the last conversation that he has with his closest followers before he dies. John sets this context for us in verse 1. When Jesus knew the hour had come to depart out of this world to the Father, having loved his own who were in the world, He loved them to the end. And then Jesus demonstrated his love for his disciples. And there was an expectation. Not only that they would love him in return, but that they and we today would love one another. In fact, there's more than an expectation, isn't there? Look at verse 34. A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another another. It's not a suggestion. Jesus is not sharing his opinion, offering to us a good idea that we may take or that's not what this is. Although isn't that sadly too often how we treat the commands of our Savior. This is more than because Jesus is king. Because Jesus is king. He is our God, the risen Lord our Redeemer, and therefore we are abound to obey all his commandments. 
before Jesus gives us this command, he says to his disciples in verse 31, now is the Son of Man glorified and God is glorified in him. There is going to be a display of his glory that they have never seen before. And Jesus is referring to his death on the cross, his shed blood, paying the price for the forgiveness of their sins, for our sins. This will glorify his Father in heaven. It will magnify the greatness and the majesty of his love and his justice and his power. But this display of glory does not end in his death. It continues three days later with his glorious resurrection from the dead, the powerful and visible display of his victory over sin and death and the devil. And this display of glory does not end with his bodily resurrection. It continues 40 days later with his ascension into heaven, his exaltation at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. And you know what today happens to be? Some of you may know today is Ascension Sunday. Thursday was Ascension Day in the church calendar. 40 days after Easter, 40 days after Jesus rose from the dead, his disciples saw with their own eyes Jesus ascending into heaven where he now sits at the right hand of God, where he now reigns in power and authority. Yes, Jesus had humbled himself. And he was obedient to the point of death. And now God has highly exalted his beloved son. He has bestowed upon him the name that is above every name. That at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and earth and under the earth. And every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. To the glory of God the Father. This Jesus is king. He is the exalted one, the son of man from Daniel chapter 7, to whom was given dominion and glory and a kingdom. Why? That all peoples, nations, and languages should serve him, should obey him. Why must we obey Jesus? Because Jesus is king. Our God who died and rose, who ascended into heaven and is now exalted as head over all. Beloved, we must obey this command from our Savior Jesus to love one another as he has loved us. Because Jesus is king. And there are grave consequences to disobedience. At the end of John chapter 3, we read these words, whoever believes in the Son has eternal life. Whoever does not obey the Son shall not see life. For God's wrath remains on him. Now this is not to say that we earn eternal life by our obedience. By no means. But it does mean that obedience matters. And that lack of obedience to Jesus, if that is your primary response to him, that is of grave concern. The primary response of obedience required is this, that we would repent and believe the gospel. And this gospel of John that we've been studying, we have heard, you've heard me say over and over and over again, that it was written, why? So that you would believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you would have life in his name. So the primary response is obedience. This obedient response is primary, but it's not solitary. It's not the only response for the believer. 
Repentance and faith in Jesus is the initial response, the daily response, but it is followed, accompanied by a lifetime of growing obedience to all that Jesus commands. Jesus says in John chapter 14 to his disciples, if you love me, you will obey my commandments. And so we must not only hear his word, but heed his word. And not only must we obey this command, but we want to obey this command. If you love me, keep my commandments. It's our joy, our delight to do what Jesus commands. Why? Because he loves us. And we love him in return. There's a response of obedience. So beloved, may we make every effort in humble reliance upon the grace of the Holy Spirit to obey this command to love one another. Now Jesus says, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another. But how is this commandment new? After all, it's one of the oldest commands we have in the scriptures. It's the sum of all the commandments. John writes in his second epistle that this commandment to love one another is the one we've had from the beginning. So how is this command from Jesus to love one another new? We can say it's new in at least three ways. Jesus gives us a new pattern, a new power, and a new purpose. So first, consider the new pattern. Jesus says, a new commandment I give to you that you love one another just as I have loved you. You also are to love one another. So the new pattern we have comes from Jesus himself. He himself has set the example. He himself has shown us how to love. Jesus sets this new standard for our love. It's not only love your neighbor as yourself, but now love one another as I have loved you. So we are commanded by Jesus to love one another as Jesus has loved us. And how has Jesus loved us? In the immediate context, he has just washed the disciples' feet, including the feet of Judas, who would betray him. Jesus has done the dirty lowly job that no one else wants to do and certainly he did so as an example as a lesson for us that we would do likewise we are to humbly serve one another no task too lowly beloved are there things that you refuse to do because you think you are too good for them that they are beneath you jesus Our king, the king of kings, came not to be served, but to serve. To give his life as a ransom for many. To show us how to love. So this is now our standard. We cannot accept any lesser standard. We humbly serve one another. But there's more to this new pattern. Our love for one another is not only a call to to humble service. Yes, it is that, but it is also a call, a command to follow Jesus' example of sacrifice, laying down his life for us. Jesus laid down his life for us in his death on the cross for our sins. This is how Jesus has loved us. This is a new kind of love, a new standard. This kind of love had not been on display before. The world had never seen such love before. Never before had the Son of God 
sinless, spotless, undefiled, died in the place of sinners. Never before had there been such a display of almighty love. Beloved, consider who it was who did this. Consider who died in our place. Who, with eyes wide open, as we have said, Jesus knowing fully what it would cost him, knowing what he would suffer, knowing who he was dying for, knowing everything about you, all of your worst moments on full display before him. And instead of canceling you, he dies for you. He draws near. He pays for your wrongs. Consider who did this, who, though he had never sinned, was willing to be under the curse of God, to suffer the righteous and just wrath of God against you, to be treated as if he had personally committed every sin ever committed by every person who ever believed, though in reality he never committed a single one. Consider who has loved you in this way. Consider the depth of his love for you. Beloved, this is not an animal sacrifice. This is God himself in the flesh, Jesus Christ, our gracious redeemer and friend. Oh, how could such a precious name, the name above all names, how could such a precious name ever be used as a curse? Beloved, we would not know what love is were it not for our Savior, Jesus Christ. John, the disciple whom Jesus loved, who heard Jesus give this command with his own ears, whose feet were now clean because the very hands of Jesus himself had touched them and washed them. He would later write in his first epistle, 1 John chapter 3, you read that this afternoon, it's only five chapters, it won't take you long. But you read that and you think, no wonder John writes about love so much. No wonder he has so much to say about this because he saw it in front of him. He experienced it. And so he writes, by this we know love. That he, Jesus, laid down his life for us. And we ought to lay down our lives for the brothers. This is the new standard. Jesus, our king, gave all for us. And so now we follow his pattern and we sacrifice for one another. Now we know we cannot die to atone for anyone's sin. We are sinners ourselves. We cannot do that. Only Jesus, the son of God, can do that. But what can we do? We can die to ourselves. We can daily die to our own desires and we can put the needs and the desires of others before our own and serve one another. You see, because the standard is not this. The standard is not, I'll love my neighbor as my neighbor loves me. The standard is not, my attitude is based on how you treat me. But how many of us live like that? You scratch my back, I'll scratch yours, was the old saying, wasn't it? This is not the love of Jesus. This is not how Jesus loved you, beloved. 
nor is it how you are now to love one another. Instead, our attitude, how we treat others, is to be based not on how they treat us, but instead on how Jesus, the precious Son of God, has treated us, on how Jesus loves us, and beloved Jesus always loved you. He always loves you in the presence. Jesus commanded, just as I have loved you, you are to love one another. Paul Tripp summarizes the love of Jesus like this. If you're one who takes notes, I encourage you to write this down, or even if you're not, if you have a pen or a pencil. This is his summary. This love is a willing self-sacrifice for the good of another. A willing self-sacrifice for the good of another that does not demand reciprocation. That means they don't have to love you back. Does not demand reciprocation or that the person being loved is deserving of my love. A willing self-sacrifice for the good of another does not demand reciprocation that they love me back or that they are worthy of being loved. Beloved, that is how God has loved you through his son, Jesus Christ. Here's your homework assignment. Take that home, pray over that, talk with whoever you're with. How can I love in this way? And think about that. Don't think about all the exceptions. Think about the general rule. How can we love in this way? This is the new standard, the new pattern. This is how Jesus loved us and how we are to love one another and we can't do it. I just told you, you must obey this command. You can't. We can't do it. We cannot obey this command in our own strength. Not a chance. We will fail every time. And so we need a new power to obey this command. And beloved, we have it. Amen? Amen. Let me ask you a question. Where is the risen Christ right now? The risen, ascended King of kings. Where is he right now? Yes, he has ascended to heaven. He's seated at the right hand of God. And, amen, he's also with you, in you, right now and always. Now, how can this be true if he has ascended to heaven? Jesus hints at it in this passage. He hints that he's going away. And our study of John has just been so, so glorious for me. And it's, there's so much more. There's so much glory to come. We're getting into this wonderful section. He's going to be talking to us about the Holy Spirit in these next few chapters. In John 16, he'll say, nevertheless, I tell you, it's to your advantage that I go away. <laughs> How could he say that? This is Jesus, God in the flesh. It's to your advantage that I go away. For if I don't go away, the helper will not come to you. Well, Jesus went away and the helper has come to us. Who is the helper? Amen. Beloved, the power of the crucified, risen, ascended Christ, the King of kings, is in you. He's with you. By his Holy Spirit of love, he can enable you to obey this command. He will empower you to love one another just as Jesus has loved you. But trying to love one another as Jesus loved us in our own power, it's like trying to cut down a live oak tree with a butter butter knife. It's not happening. It's not happening, beloved. You try that, you know what's going to happen. You'll be exhausted. You'll be frustrated. You'll get angry. 
You'll take that anger out on others. You'll damage the knife. You'll get blisters on your fingers. You're not going to have any fireworks, so you'll be cold in the winter. Sin harms us, and it harms others every time. We believe a lie that it doesn't, and then we see we were wrong once again. Sin harms and hurts us in all kinds of ways every time. The power to love one another as Jesus has loved us does not come from within us. It doesn't come from the goodness of your own hearts. It can only come from the Holy Spirit of love who's been given to us. You know where else this power does not come from? It doesn't come from the love of others. Well, when others love me, then I can love them back. That's not the pattern. It's not the standard that Jesus sets. When you love others in this way with this power, you don't show yourself to be a disciple of Jesus. You know what you show yourself to be? A sinner in a fallen world. It's what the world around us does to love those who love you. Jesus told us this. He calls us to a higher standard of love. Are we living out that higher standard by the power of his spirit within us? Beloved, is the quality of love inside Proclamation Church, inside our family, among these people right here that you can see in this room right now, is the quality of love here among us different from the quality of love that we see in the world around us that doesn't know and love Jesus? Well, by the grace of God, I can say it is. It's not perfect, but it is, and it's growing And we'll continue to grow in that love as the Spirit of God works in us. But for us to display this kind of love, we need Holy Spirit power. It doesn't come from people loving us. When when people love us, that's not where we get this power. And it also will not come from the love of others when they fail to love you. When they fail to love you. Isn't that what we often think about? And focus on how others have failed to live up to our expectations. Others have failed to make me feel welcome. Others have failed to love me the way I want them to. Beloved, if that is what you think about and what you focus on, you will fail to love others. Guaranteed. You'll get an F minus minus. You'll fail to love one another as Jesus has loved you if you focus on all the ways others failed to love you. That's not where the power to obey this command comes from. The power, the way to obey this command only comes from the love of Jesus, the Holy Spirit in you, from focusing on the way Jesus has perfectly loved you. So think on his love and you'll never be disappointed Who likes the feeling of disappointment? Think on his love for you. And his love will compel you. It will control you. And enable you to love others just as he has loved you. But you must think about it. You must meditate on it. You must focus on it. You must work at this. Look past the failures of your brothers and sisters. And focus in on the perfect love of Christ, see his love and laying down his life for you. Listen to this. When Jesus died for you, 
you were not his friend. When Jesus died for you, you were not his brother, his sister. You were not a child of God when Jesus died for you. You were his enemy. He died for you when you hated him. There is no other love like the love of Jesus. You know, in our welcome, I often will try to welcome you in the spirit of our Savior. And towards the end, I'll say that Jesus is the ally of those who were his enemies. But the truth is, he was our ally when we were his enemy. When we were still his enemy. We didn't all of a sudden come over to his side and make an alliance with him. We didn't get our act together and start to live a good life and join forces with him. We were dead in sin. Shailin says we were blatant, flagrant vagrants when he came to us and gave his life for us. It was then that Jesus, sinless, spotless, undefiled, showed his love for us, laid down his life for us, died for us, was punished for our sin and died in our place. So think about his love. And know, beloved, As you meditate on that love, it will transform your life. Beloved, right now, the power of the risen, ascended, reigning king is within you, working in you to make you love like Jesus. Jesus has given us a new pattern. He's given us a new power. And lastly, he's given us a new purpose. Verse 35. By this, all people will know. By this. All people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. In this context, the command to love one another is a command to love other believers. Now, this does not mean we are not commanded to love unbelievers. We're to love our neighbor. Who's our neighbor? Anyone, everyone in need. We're to love our enemies. We're to love everyone. So it's not that we don't love others, but it does mean we must make sure we do love believers. We must not miss this. And when we do, when followers of Jesus love one another, it's a witness to the world. It shows the world what Jesus is like. And the watching world will know that we are his people. This is to be the distinguishing mark of God's people. That we love one another. Jesus commands us to be a loving people, a loving church. So what will people in our communities who know us, what will they see in us? They may hate what we believe. They may reject it. They may hate what we stand for and represent. They may hate our Lord and they may hate us. But will they know that we are true disciples of Jesus on the basis of our observable love for one another? It must be observable. So that means we cannot love one another in isolation. We can't do it alone. You know, this past year has encouraged habits of isolation. It's been a tough year. And for some, this has been done out of a desire to love others. We can acknowledge that. And at the same time, we must acknowledge we are not meant to live in isolation. That isolation causes real harm to ourselves and to others, and that it is impossible to obey this command alone. 
if the past year has developed tendencies within us to withdraw from others, to avoid others, to judge others, to fear others, we must retrain ourselves to draw near, to engage, even to touch, to show physical affection in appropriate ways. And to not view people as a threat, as a danger to avoid, but people made in the image of God. That we are called to serve and to love. We can only display the love of Jesus for one another as we participate in the family of God together. And yes, gathered worship here is primary. But how can we serve and love one another if this is the only time that we see one another for an hour or two once a week. This is one reason why we are emphasizing our community groups this year to give us an opportunity for every member to practice the one another love that we're called to obey. As we spend time with people who are different from us, as we take an interest in them, as we get to know them, We can then humbly serve one another, make sacrifices for one another. We obey this command to love one another as Jesus has loved us as we spend time with people who are different from us. At times, they may be difficult people. It may be hard to admit, but we are difficult people to be with at times. We we might think others are hard to love. I'm hard to love. We're hard to love at times. But when we face those difficulties, those painful conflicts, and we forgive the hurts and the injustices, we reconcile estranged relationships, we help those in need. Our love is tested and it matures and it's this opportunity for the Holy Spirit to display his power within us so that God is glorified and Jesus is shown to be the treasure of our lives, the savior of our lives. You know, one of the purposes behind this new command from Jesus is that as we love one another, as Jesus has loved us, the world around us will know. They'll know that we are his disciples and they will come to see the power of the gospel at work in our lives. And they may even come to believe that Jesus was sent by the Father to be the Savior of the world. We'll get to that in John chapter 17. So how can we make this love visible? Well, you go home and think about it. Ask the Holy Spirit to guide you. Look, think through that definition of love from Paul Tripp. Read through this passage again and ask, how can we make this visible? But let me leave you with just two very simple daily practices. How can we make this observable so that God is glorified and we love like Jesus? Two things. Say, I'm sorry, and say, I forgive you. I'm sorry, I forgive you. When you fail to love your Christian sister or brother, and we all have failed over the last year to do so. Beloved, we all have failed to do so in multiple ways. When you do that, when you sin, what do you do? You go to her and you say, I'm sorry. I failed to love you as Jesus has loved me. I sinned against God and you. Will you forgive me? No excuses. You can just be completely, brutally honest. Why? Because, yes, we are great sinners, but we have a greater Savior. And, beloved, this is one of the reasons we have passed the peace every week. 
It's at least a weekly opportunity. How do you pass the peace with someone you're in the midst of a conflict with? Someone maybe you can't even talk to. Well, you can't unless you acknowledge it. You ask the Holy Spirit to help you acknowledge your sin. I'm sorry. Will you forgive me? So we say, I'm sorry to make this love visible. And we also say, I forgive you. We think it's hard to say, I'm sorry. It might be even harder to say, I forgive you. But God says it to us every day. The holy God says it to us every day. I forgive you. I forgive you. I forgive you. How many times do I say, God, I'm sorry. And the very next moment, I'm sinning in the very same way. And how many times does he look at me and say, I forgive you. I forgive you. I gave my son. He shed his blood. And that sin is gone. And there is no condemnation. I can't even fathom such a love, beloved. It's hard to say, I forgive you. God says it to us every day. 1 Corinthians 13 tells us, love keeps no record of wrongs. You've got to tally in your mind. You've got to burn it. You've got to forget about it. You can't rehearse it in your mind. That's not how you grow in love. It's how you grow in bitterness. It's hard. Ask the Lord to help you. Give it to him. I forgive you. So we're not only to love one another as Jesus has loved us. You know, what was our passage for our past the peace today? It's not just random. You don't just put slips of paper in a bowl. What's, what are we going to use this week? Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another as God and Christ has forgiven you. This is one way we love one another. We make this love visible to a watching world. God is glorified. Beloved, Jesus says to you, I love you. I said, I love you. Jesus says that to you every day. He has And he will love you to the end. And now he commands you. And he empowers you. He does it all. What a savior we have. Amen. He commands you and he empowers you to love one another in response as he has loved you. So how are we going to respond? As saints. Listen to me. You are the saints in the land. And you is all my delight. And I love you. By the power of the Spirit working in me, I am so thankful for each one of you. And I love you. As saints, we affirm that we are loved by Jesus. We are loved by Jesus and we do love one another as his Spirit enables us. Thank you, beloved, for loving one another in so many ways. Yes, we failed, but we've also obeyed. Thank you for walking in the truth for considering the needs of others more important than your own, for laying aside your desires for the sake of your brothers and sisters. You have done that over this past year. You are a saint, and God delights in you. So as saints, we affirm we're loved by Jesus, we're empowered to obey. As sufferers, we hurt. We hurt when others fail to love us as they should. And we lament that. We take that to our great God and Savior. Cast your cares on him. As sinners, we confess our failure to love and we cry out, Lord, have mercy. 
And so, beloved, just as Jesus has loved us, may we love one another that all the world may know and love and worship our gracious Savior, Jesus, the crucified, risen, ascending, ascended, and coming King. Amen.